The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. This is it. This is the last time for a while that you'll hear from us. Game Plan is taking a break. We decided for our last show... What better way to go out than with an episode full of half-baked takes? You're welcome. This is Game Plan. Hi, I'm Rebecca Greenfield. And I'm Francesca Levy. And this week, we can't even bear to think about life without Game Plan. So, we're not. Yeah, we're going to keep it light, and we are going to give the people what they want. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure you all want Half-Baked Takes, because that is what we've heard, a fan favorite part of the episode, and it's our favorite part of the episode. Yeah, it, this is always the easiest part of the show to record, the segment at the end where we air our unformed but very passionate ideas about the workplace and other things. So what better way to say goodbye than to just go through some Half-Baked Takes that we have stockpiled? Yep, we have a half-baked take backlog to clear, so let's jump right in and start doing it. Half-baked takes. All right, what is your first half-baked take to share? So here's a little piece of meeting etiquette I've been struggling with. In this highly connected world that we live in, it's very easy to contact people when they're not physically around, like say they're a couple minutes late for a meeting. So you might get a little ping on your group chat app, or you might get an email that says like, hey, this meeting started, we're in the meeting room, where are you? My question is, one, what is the right number of minutes to wait before you send that email? Because I've gotten that email as early as one or two minutes after the meeting started. And I think that that's a little uncool because our, our building is enormous and massive and some conference rooms are hidden in weird corners and like it could take you 10 to 15 minutes just to find one so like two minutes late for meeting okay you don't want to be late for meetings but like calm down people my instinct mm -hmm. is always four minutes after i find myself looking at my watch and saying this person's late and it's four minutes yeah and i want to email them but i force myself to wait until after mm -hmm. five minutes well this brings up my second point which is when is it too late? Because I feel like there's a there's an accurate window or an appropriate window. And like because I've emailed people like 15 minutes after a meeting started. And I'm really at that point. I'm just making the point like I came to the meeting room and waited and I, I served my time here uh, knowing full well after like five or six minutes that you probably weren't going to come. Um, and so the point of that email is really just to say I sat in a meeting room for 15 minutes alone because you're not going to then keep sitting there after you send that email, right? So you kind of send the email and then leave the room. It's very, it's as I, we often talk about performative. Right. So I think the half-baked take then is depending on what time you send the email, you're sending a different message, right? Yes. Right. It's either like hurry up and get to this meeting or it's like, or did you forget about it? Yeah. You forgot about this meeting and I just want to make you aware that I did not forget about it. Right. Um, so I, I, th I like your four minute mark. I think the four to five minute mark 
is probably a good starting time that yeah, you, it's, it's okay early. to email people. And then, well, but if it's a half hour meeting, like five minutes late is, is fairly late. So I'd say, yeah, like maybe the five to seven minute window. That's when you can send like a good faith email that or a chat that's like, yeah, what do you hurry say? up? Hey, uh, we're in whatever conference room. Ooh, I sometimes say we still doing this, Ooh. which I think yeah. might be aggressive. No, no, I, I would receive that as as intended. Like I think. we still on? Yeah. Question mark. Yeah. And you're hoping the answer is no. Right. Or sometimes. Just like yeah. when you have plans. Yeah. You always sometimes want the meeting say, to be canceled. I'm here. Yeah, dot, that's dot, aggressive. Dot. Here I am. <laughs> okay, Becca, what's your first half-baked take of this marathon? Mine is about self-care at the office. Um, I'm not very good at self-care in general, but the best self-care hack I've ever done is just buying a bottle of really fancy hand lotion and sticking it on my desk. Amen. Really improved my quality of life so much, especially in these dry winter months. How fancy are we talking? Are you pre- are you comfortable yeah. discussing the I fanciness get level? This brand called Bar and Co. I think it might be from St. Louis. It's it's mm. a Midwestern brand, I believe. I got it. It has Anthropology. Co. in it. You know, it's pretty yeah. fancy. Comes in a glass bottle. Oh yeah, it's really nice, and it's glass things at the office. That's another. Yeah. That's another way to up your desk game. I think there's a lot of small self-care hacks one can do that I haven't quite done yet, like having a nice mug or a really nice glass or water bottle. Or I'm not there. I'm just at the hand lotion, but it's great. But the hand lotion is it's like more than just a psychological thing because you're in, you know, this circulated air. Your skin does get really yeah. dry in the winter. Like this is a this is a non-gender specific thing. Everybody should be lotioning it up. Should we talk about the one hand lotion liability issue? Yeah, there are lots of potential downfalls in that yeah. your hands get very greasy. Well, you just have to be careful how you time your bathroom visits and your lotion, hand lotioning sessions. Yeah. Because if you wash your hands too soon after you lotion up, it's it's gross. It's yeah, greasy. And also like falls off or washes off. And yeah. then it's a uh, waste, a waste of, of lotion. Highly fancy lotion yeah. for some people. Also, if you use a biometric device, let's say, and you have to swipe your finger on something, you can mess it up with the hand lotion. Oh, I didn't even think yeah. about that. Yeah. And then there's another lotion liability. Well, there's rings. If you wear a ring or jewelry, yeah. it's you got to kind of take them off and then wait a while before you put them back on. Otherwise, you get them. Yeah. Yeah. But OK, no, it, no more downsides of lotioning. I honestly get excited to get to work and put it on. How many times a day do you do it? Just once. Oh, just once. Just in the morning okay. right when I get in. For me, it's a little bit of a compulsion. Okay. It's like, a you know, when my hands are idle, I put on the lotion. Yeah. So maybe I should cut it down. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest-growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank. Because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. It's your habit. Okay. 
Francesca, do you have another half-baked take for us? Do I? Here's an office pet peeve of mine. Um, Anytime I hear this phrase, quote, well, you're too young to remember this, but insert anything here. First of all, this is usually said, I've noticed, by men to women. Second of all, it usually and often incorrectly assumes someone's age. Um, I'm not really, I don't have a lot of conversations with people about my age. And like, to be honest, I don't actually hear this as much as I used to. But, you know, it, it, it tends to assume someone's age. And I think women tend to be, as, women are often assumed to be younger than they are. Because people think we're dumb. But then also, suppose you are too young to remember whatever thing. First of all, you might be like chronologically younger than, you know, when that thing happened. It doesn't mean you don't know it happened. And it's just I feel like it's a way of undermining people. Like it's sort of like masked as a compliment, like, oh, you look young. But actually it's saying like I've experienced more. I've been around the world. I understand the way things work. And uh, you wouldn't remember You know, there was somebody called Reagan who was president once. My main problem with it is that, which is if you weren't alive during this time period, how could you possibly know about X thing? But it's like, we all know who the Beatles are. (laughs) Like, yeah, I I, just because just because you weren't waiting online for their album to come out. And yeah, now maybe now I understand why it bothers me so much. It, It does suggest that, like, you're so stupid that you wouldn't know about anything that's culturally significant outside of the time period you're alive. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. I really don't like it. It happens a lot. I think, yeah, it's a way of people who I honestly think the people saying it are just insecure. Yeah. They feel like they're surrounded by a bunch of youngs and they're lashing out. They need to show that they're superior because they were really into, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. So you're not superior, people, and you also might be wrong about someone's age, so stop guessing. Becca, what's up next? This is a pretty selfish half-baked take. It might be specific to our office, but there is somebody here who hates sunshine. (laughs) And I don't know what's wrong with you, but you're... I don't know what's wrong with you. There's something wrong with you. Basically, here at Bloomberg, we have blinds that we share because we're in a big open office and you have to request to facilities to raise the blinds if you want them raised and you have to request to lower them if you want them lowered and I've been told that having them lowered is preferenced over having them raised because you can live with dark horrible office but you can't live with glare on your screen I like them up I want sunshine in my life it's dark out also it's dark at like 4 p.m. It's dark at 4 p.m. I've had people ask for the blinds to be down when it's raining outside. What, what is, is that? that so there might be more that you might have more than one secret enemy here. Yeah, I know. It you might be. have multiple people requesting blinds down to be shrouded in darkness all day in the darkest hours of winter. Why would you want that? And then also there is no screen glare on our side. The sun does not. You can't actually see the sun, the orb. It's so blocked what do you by think buildings. These people about the sun. Do you think they're vampires? Maybe. Maybe we work with vampires. I don't know. I've gotten into wars. It really upsets me. You know, I think that there are. I don't understand why someone would actually prefer darkness over sunlight. But I definitely have noticed that there are those people 
who don't mind darkness in the winter. And I feel like there's like widespread awareness of seasonal affective yeah. disorder now. And most of us kind of understand we're generally sadder in the winter time because there's less sun. And so I think now like the weird people are, are the people who don't suffer from sad. Yeah. Lucky you. I can literally feel the serotonin or whatever <laughs> flow through my brain when those blinds go up. Just saying. I'm with you, Becca. That's hard. Yeah. Okay, Francesca, before I ask you for more half-baked takes, we have a listener half-baked take this week. Let's hear it. Hi, this is Katie from Chicago. Uh, my half-baked take has to go along with the buy good shoes in the last episode, and it's that buy a decent purse or work bag and keep it looking nice. Uh, too many people hope theirs go rough too early. And uh, a corollary even to that, does that buy the correct bag for the environment you're in? You should not be walking in with your gym backpack into a meeting with executives. So thank you guys so much. Yeah, I would layer another thing onto this, which is coats. Mm-hmm. Um, in cold weather environments, it's very easy to like hang on to that, you know, comfy but ratty looking puffy coat that you've had for a few years and a certain point, it's it's totally true for bags and shoes, but I think that, yeah, bags and coats get neglected to a point where it's like you could have a totally sharp outfit and it's undermined on those rare occasions when you, you like walk into an environment, like let's say you're visiting someone else at their office and you've got like this sad coat and sad bag because those are things you, do, you don't think about as part of your outfit because they go on the outside and you don't have them on all day, but someone's bound to see you in them at some point and then you're going to feel sad. I think I agree. But I do like the trend of people wearing backpacks. I mean, even though it makes subway commuting hell, we will not get into that. But it's more comfortable. But so I don't how do you have a you nice... Could have, there's so many nice backpacks. You're though. right. They're I think like if you want a, a backpack strategy, as long as you're thoughtful about it and you have a backpack that, like, you know, like the caller said, f- fits with the environment of your office. So if it's, like, a nice leather backpack or whatever. I like it. Yeah, I think the overriding theme is, like, Outerwear in general, it also matters. Okay, Francesca, back to you. More half-baked takes? Well, I have a half-baked take that is kind of like the sum total of all my life's thoughts up to this point. And I, I've really been saving it for the right moment. It's um, it's not work-related, but it's, it's pretty important. So I'm just going to get right into it. Um, I have a kid now, as you may know. And it has exposed me to a very insidious lesson our children are being taught by the children's book industrial complex. And it is wrong and dangerous. And that thing our children are being taught and that we are we are arrive at adulthood believing is the lie that sheep are cute. Sheep are not cute. If you've ever seen a sheep in real life, you know that they are mean. They are pretty gross. They have crazy eyes. They make a noise like a human baby, which is weird and creepy. And they're dumb, so they will attack unprovoked. Sheep, not cute, not fluffy, okay? Dirty and gross, mean. You can't tell me otherwise. Wow. There's a lot to unpack here. My main reaction to this is, are maybe most barnyard animals not cute? Like, we've cutified 
mm-hmm. this group of animals mm-hmm. for our children's sake. Yes. And maybe like... I think that's probably true. And the most egregious example is sheep. sheep. Like pigs, we know, you know, like pigs, like it's like oink, oink. They're pink and, you know, in cartoons. But also we kind of know pigs roll around in dirt. So pigs have like, you know, positive and negative stereotypes. Mm -hmm. But sheep, it's just so far from the reality of what they really are like. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm... (laughs) I don't want to brag, but I'm the founder of the uh, cute animal chat room here at Bloomberg. And I forbade sheep from being included in uh, in that room. Now, a lot of people violate that and they know who they are. But, um, you know, I set the rules for what animals are cute. Sheep are not allowed. Also, hairless cats, not cute. Oh, yeah. Those are not cute. <laughs> uh, yeah. OK. I don't want to accept this. But I see what you're saying. I think even if you see a picture of a sheep, like a real sheep in the wild, you, you might. Are those lambs? Lammies. Aw. See, I'm obviously not a farm person, but yeah. I've been around farms. City girl over here. <laughs> and I did have a bad experience where a herd of sheep came way too close to me on a very high cliff in the United Kingdom. That's where this is coming from. So I know what sheep are really like. They have shown me their true face stop spreading this lie to your children because if they get around a sheep they're going to try to pet them they don't want to be petted they'll probably bite your child okay i'm really happy that i got that out there becca what's your next half-baked take so my final parting half-baked take is pretty simple it's that movies are too long (laughs) just all movies not not hashtag not all movies (laughs) But yes, a lot of movies. It seems like in the last five years, maybe movies have become on average more than two hours or that's a lot of movies are more than two hours. It's very rarely that you'll have a good hour and a half hour, 45 movie. That's not a children's movie, basically. And it's too long. It's hard to go two and a half hours without a bathroom break. Yeah, it gets it's and you shouldn't have to have a bathroom break during a movie. You need a good editor, movie makers. Ever think about that? I don't know. <laughs> think yeah. about it. Think about getting an editor. I'm sure they have editors, but... <laughs> they probably do. <laughs> yeah. I don't have the time or the patience. There's always like a scene or two that could be cut. Movies, too long. That's my half big take. And this has been our half big Take Marathon. half big Takes. Well, since it's the last time you'll be hearing from us for a while, we really just want to thank our listeners so, so much. You guys have been so engaged and have made doing this even more fun and valuable than it already would have been. Um, We hope you had fun, enjoyed what you heard and learned a couple of things along the way. And you can still be in touch with us. I'm still on Twitter at RZ Greenfield. I will continue writing about all the issues we talk about on the show every week. I'm still on Twitter at Francesca Today, and you'll probably be hearing some cool new stuff from one or both of us again down the line, so keep us in your feeds. And if you come up with a Half-Baked Take, we still want to hear it. This is kind of our life's work. Half-Baked Takes are the thing we're probably proudest of, um, and we want to keep sharing them with you, so don't be shy. And a super special thanks to our producers, Liz Smith and Magnus Henriksen, and the head of podcasts, 
you, Francesca Levy. Yeah, whatever. But mostly Liz and Magnus, who really made the show what it is. And that's all for now. Bye. Bye. That sounded very convincing. Oh, great. All right. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.